Today's episode is brought to you by Cars.com. With over 2 million vehicles and 50,000 more added every day, Cars.com will match you with the perfect car for you, your budget, your life, your style. And if you're ready to say goodbye to your current car, Cars.com will get you an instant offer to cash it in. Just start by entering your license plate and get matched with a local dealer who will write you the check. So whether you're looking to buy or sell, just go to Cars.com. It's magical. Falcoholic podcast listeners, welcome to another episode of the Falcoholic Live. This is your host, Kevin Knight, here to remind you that you can join us live on YouTube for our Wednesday night shows, which are at 8, 10 p.m. Eastern every single week, and also immediately following Falcons games for our post-game shows. Also want to remind you guys to check out our Patreon page, which you can find at patreon.com slash Live. if you'd like to support the show and unlock some exclusive perks, including high-quality ad-free versions of the live video show, including the Wednesday show, and also starting now, exclusive episodes of our post-game show in podcast format, uh, as well as some other cool perks like exclusive Falcons Q&A sessions with the crew and some cool guests. Also want to remind folks to check out the community Discord server, which you can find a link to on our YouTube page. You can hang out there and chat with fellow fans of the Falcons uh, on game day and otherwise, and that's a lot of fun. Uh, Thank you guys once again for tuning into the show, and we hope you enjoy this episode. Fellow Falcoholics, what is up? Welcome to episode 170 of the Falcoholic Live. I am your host, Kevin Knight, joined by some great co-hosts and a special guest to start the show. That special guest, of course, is Eric Robinson himself, at underscore Eric underscore Robinson. Eric, how we doing tonight? Doing well, man. Doing well. How about yourself? Good, good. Happy to get Eric in here whenever we can, you know, whenever he can get a break from his busy ESPN schedule. So, uh, really appreciate you making the time for our little show again. So, (laughs) (laughs) yes, thank you for supporting the bit also. Um, we also have, as you can see, director of guest personnel, Evan Birchfield at Evan Birchfield. Evan, how we doing? Uh, doing good, Kevin. Thanks for, uh, well, I guess I can come on all the time anyways. But yeah, yeah. Thanks for having me on. Thanks for pretending it's exclusive. Yeah, I appreciate yes. that. We really raised the profile of the show here. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> great. Good Good bit. Good bit. Um, also, we have with us Adnan Ikic at Say Which Way. Adnan, how are we feeling? Uh, feeling good. Feeling good. Um, hey, when are we going to start putting Eric's name in the title when he, uh, whenever he That's joins true. us? Yeah, I special should. guest, well, Eric Robinson. Yeah. Well, if we if we didn't have Bob Whitfield coming on, you know, then I would have. Yeah, there's there's only only a hundred characters allowed, so I couldn't get Eric Robinson and Bob Whitfield in the title. So apologize about that, Eric. Uh, yeah, uh, uh, Kevin actually flipped a coin between who yeah. he was going to put between it was a tough Eric call. and Bob, and yeah, yeah, tough uh, call there. You know, Bob, you Bob better, ended up winning out this time. You made a better <laughs> choice with Bob. He wasn't. <laughs> That's true. Yeah, but yeah, guys, Bob Whitfield will be joining us right around nine o'clock. Uh, tonight, so you know, 40, 45 minutes, something like that. Um, so yeah, it will be right around nine o'clock. We'll have Bob joining us, uh, and that's obviously going to be a lot of fun because just a tremendous player, one of the best offensive linemen in Falcons history, part of that '98 Super Bowl team, uh, and I think an agent now too, based on his website. Uh, so that's pretty cool. Um, but yeah, we uh, before we get to Bob, we will be 
breaking down this Falcons victory over the Panthers. Uh, always nice to see the team get a win. And I thought this was a pretty good one. Uh, maybe maybe the best one of the season in terms of a complete game. Uh, and we'll also talk about this pivotal matchup with the 49ers, which uh, the Falcons are apparently almost 10-point underdogs in. Uh, and I would consider this pretty much a must-win game if we want to realistically talk about playoffs. Uh, so lots to get to tonight. Uh so since Adnan and I uh, got to talk about the game a little bit on the post-game show, uh, and I believe Evan got to talk a little bit on the post-game podcast with DW, which is a great program. You guys should check that out as well. But uh, we'll let Eric take the first swing here. Eric, your big takeaways uh, from the Falcons' victory over the, uh, let's say, struggling Carolina Panthers on Sunday. Oh, that's putting it. That's putting it mildly, but nicely. that was generous. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, the, the wheels have fallen off that team. Um, it was only a couple weeks ago that, you know, Cam was back. And a lot of people thought a playoff run was going to ensue as a result. And now look at him. <laughs> Office coordinator wow. fired. They've lost two of the last three, including um, to the Dolphins and their division foe in the Falcons. And yeah, it's, it's going down here. But anyway, we're here to talk about the Falcons. So. <laughs> Uh, yeah, the, the, they played. They played okay. I, I really feel that they left some plays out on the field, especially on the offensive end. Um, but it was encouraging to see the run game actually, you know, generate some some positive yards, some some uh, some production there. And it wasn't a game where they had to truly lean on Cordero Patterson to win this game. Um. And, and again, that's that's somewhat encouraging because, you know, we've made the case all year like, man, this this offense is really Cordero at times, Kyle Pitts and then no one else. But they were able to to, you know, get a win without him having to have, you know, 100 plus scrimmage yards and two or three touchdowns or whatever. So um, kudos to the defense for getting turnovers, which is one thing that we've been pressing for all year right. for years, at least. Um, they were able to, to generate some turnovers, um, but yeah, I, it was it was one of those one of those games, honestly, where I felt like last season they would have lost it. Yeah, um, but they they got a stop, got critical stops. Like I said, they had three turnovers. They had two fourth down stops. Mm-hmm. I want to say, yep, they did. Which which um, you know is. Is to me, well, of course. I mean, if you if you know football well enough, you can, honestly you can count that as a turnover. Sure, why yeah, not? Yeah. It, opposing offense didn't score, and they got a they got them off the field on fourth down, which is key. So, I'll take that. Um, but yeah, I I would like to see. I would like to see them not leave some plays on the field because it definitely would have been more than just an eight point game. It would have been a blowout if they were able to connect on a couple passes in the right. passing game. In my opinion, but yeah, all in all, we got to win over a division foe. Yeah, so. I mean, I would say that it on was the road. Yeah, on, oh, the road. on the road too. Which apparently the the road road is the new home for the Falcons. Apparently, very uh, so. good on the road. It's <laughs> six and two away from the Benz. Imagine if they somehow like I don't know the stat on this, but sneak into the playoffs and they just don't win any home games. Yeah, like just how I wonder like how often that's happened or if it's Not happened. Very it's often. just such a weird thing. I, I don't know though if that would be 
possible. I mean, a lot of stuff would have to go right, but I don't think this team is getting yeah. in by losing two more games. No, and I, yeah. I I crunched the numbers on it. I'll pull it up so we can reference it at some point. But yeah, it's 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 a bit, <laughs> they can't really get in with by winning just two games. I don't think. Uh, I think they need to win at least three uh, to get uh, in. I, I will say that if someone had told me before the season. The team will be six and two away from the Benz at this point. I'd be like, all right. Oh, so yeah. <laughs> yeah. So, 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 you know, we're fighting for the division, you know, right? Because, uh, you, you know, there's no way we're winless at home if we yeah, want to. You, you probably thought that's a what? 10, 11 win team at this point or so? Oh, yeah. Yeah. We're yeah. fighting for that bye week, huh? You know, going to have it out home field in the six playoffs. Six two in a row. What's the record overall? Six and seven. <laughs> oh. Ooh, ooh, that's not great. Yeah, <laughs> definitely not amazing. To oh. be frank, yeah. then you just hear the Larry David music after after the six and seven. Oh, yeah. No, I mean, I think uh, it was talked about that if the Falcons were to, I think, win one more game and keep their point differential about where it is now, they would be the worst seven-win team in NFL history in terms of point differential. Uh, and I think they're that's probably like going to win two more games. It's yeah. like negative one hundred. Yeah. I know, I know. Who cares? It's just funny. Like it's just funny. Like yeah, it's funny. we could be the best bad team ever, is basically what well, honestly, how many how many times per season do we look at the teams that are five hundred and say, Man, what's their point difference? Well, exactly. It's yeah. It's just a talking point. Like it's just it's just a bit. But um it is funny that they're like all the other teams that are six and seven are like, you know, approximately around zero. And then the Falcons are like minus one ten or something. Uh, uh, <laughs> and then the the Bills are like plus one hundred at yeah. seven and six. Exactly. All right, I think it's I think it's telling about the season itself as a whole because yeah. I think at this point in the year, this is the most teams in NFL history that are at least with at five hundred or or let's see, no, they were either in a playoff spot or a game out of a playoff spot. This is the most. At, at week what what is this 15 of the season this is the this is they've never we've never seen anything like this in the nfl history so Par- this many teams this close to a playoff spot this yeah. late in the uh, season parody is at an all-time high um nobody's even clinched a playoff spot Nobody, right and not not only with the french playoff teams but even with uh the cream of the crop like mm-hmm. i don't think that there's any one singular favorite that's really separated themselves in either conference. Whereas, you know, before you're like, all right, it's the Chiefs who are probably going to make mm-hmm. it to the Super Bowl. Last right, year, the Bucks right. really hit their stride. Right. Uh, you know, when Aaron Rodgers was really clicking a few years ago, and he still is, it was, all right, the Packers are going to be there toward the end, the Seahawks with the Legion of Boom. But now this year, it's like, who, like, gun to your head, who who are you picking as the favorites in the Super Bowl right now? I, right. I, I don't think I would have, like, a clear, like, decisive answer right there. Right. The NFC has three, uh, you know, I know there's tiebreakers, but three teams at the top who are technically tied. I think, yep. Both, yep. I think both can make a claim for about four teams. Yeah. yeah. And, and it's four teams each with, like, legitimate, legitimate, legitimate aspirations. Yeah. And even going beyond that, even the MVP race, I think right yeah. now Aaron Rodgers is, pro- is, I think, the betting favorite, and he's at plus 500. Like the MVP race is a complete toss up at this point. Yeah. 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 It's, I mean, it's, it's been a, a non quarterback, several non quarterbacks who could, mm-hmm. should be in that conversation. I, I, I personally think if Derrick Henry hadn't gotten hurt, he, he would possibly have been sep- in that conversation and probably even separating himself a little bit at this point. 
Possibly. Yeah. He's, I think Henry's still what fourth in the league he, in rushing. Sure. He's in these he like rushing. Third. Third. Yeah. 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 He hasn't ridiculous. taken a snap since Halloween. Yeah. That's it's amazing. That's <laughs> yeah, crazy. And That's the amazing. Titans were really winning too. Like they were at the top with when Henry. Yeah. I mean, they're still like near the top in the AFC. Yeah. But also, yeah, the Titans are another one of those teams. Derrick Henry comes back fresh for the playoffs. It's like who knows what they could do. Yeah. But but with with all this playoff talk we're having, I I can't help but look at you know the Falcons' overall record and where they are and. Just look at you know, man. If they were able to flip that Washington game, yep. right? Yeah, yep. yeah. That's the tiebreaker. It's yeah, nice. right. tiebreaker. Now, I, I'll be honest when I say, like, even even with them being on the doorstep of a playoff spot, this is not a playoff team. Like, <laughs> they could very like, easily make the playoffs, but and I, yeah, and I when you look like, at all those other ones, it's the same kind of. And I feel scenario, like we, we're going to dread that the moment it happens because the moment it happens, they're going to get like a red hot Packers team, <laughs> and it's going to be and forty-three beat and to beat them tough. because we'll be on the road. Yeah. Yes, only because of the road. Yeah, yeah right. we'll be road yeah, warriors. Road, we never have to play at home again. Yeah. Yeah, sure. Yes, it we'll be fine. Forty-three yeah. to eight. And then we'll be sitting here saying, how the hell did this team make, like, no. um, I, I will say that Washington game, and that's what I was, I remember being in the group chat, I was furious when yeah. we lost that game. Yeah. And I mean, like, livid, because, not because I thought the season was over, because, you know, that was ridiculous. It was so early in, this, in the campaign. But just because I knew that it would probably bite us in the ass eventually. Yeah. yeah. And it's really biting us in the ass right now, because we don't, not only be in a playoff spot over Washington, but we'd be a game up with the tiebreaker. That's mm-hmm. a game and a half above Washington. So, you know, that that would have been huge. Yeah. And, you know, possibly even if you do come away out of San Francisco with a win somehow, you're talking about the two closest competitors for a playoff spot. Now you yeah. have the tiebreaker over both of them. Yeah. But, you know, all in all, like, you know, coming into the year, I felt like this was a 500 team. And it's December fifteenth, and they're on par with it. They're they're six and seven. They're playing meaningful football in December, which, given all the circumstances, you know, what else could we really ask for? Honestly, like that's 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 a that's a feather in the cap for Arthur Smith and this new regime yeah. to have him in this place. You know, in the middle of December, a game out of a playoff spot. Um, yeah. what, what it's so right. I mean, it's been since 2017 that we've legitimately been playing games that matter in December. Like, right. and like the games do matter. Like the Falcons control their destiny. Like, if the Falcons were to win out, just straight up win their final four games, which you know, notwithstanding the difficulty of that task, but if they were to do that, they would have a ninety over an, uh, like an over 99 percent chance of making the playoffs. So it's not a guarantee necessarily, but. It's basically a guarantee. Like if they win and all their games, you look at who, who the yeah. competition is in the NFC. Like who's also playing for that position? The Falcons obviously need like Washington to lose, but they're dealing with a lot of COVID stuff this week. Where I think their quarterback is somebody on the practice squad. I think yeah. I saw the uh, Heineke. Yeah, because Kyle and, Allen's on uh, the COVID list, and yeah, and Heineke's Heineke was hurt. hurt or something. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, Minnesota, who like you know they got a primetime game coming up, and Kirk Cousins is usually just not great on. In primetime yeah, games, Minnesota plays the Bears on Monday Night Football, and yeah. it's going to be the Eagles and Washington, and they're both six and seven. So yeah. one of those teams is going to 
is going to kind of get knocked down a little. Do they bit. play two more times? Washington, still, yes. Washington, still Washington and Philly play each other well. twice. Yeah, right. I think. I think um, the Eagles' final games are all NFC East, unless yep. I, Washington, Washington is like they're they're. Oh, done. Washington's is okay. Yeah, all yeah. they're from here on out is NFC East. Of course, the, they the still Eagles, have yeah, yeah, the Eagle, the Eagles are also uh, from here on out NFC East. They, mm. Uh, they play Washington twice, the Giants and the Cowboys. Giants and Cowboys are both at home. Yeah, yeah. Well, I do want to continue this playoff talk, but I do want to wrap up the Isn't Panthers it nice? talk. Isn't it refreshing? Yeah, it is, it you is. Know, but I, I want to wrap up the Panthers talk and make a clean, you know, transition to the playoff yeah, talk. Yeah, it's just, it, yeah. It, again, it was, it was, yeah. a, it was a, a good win. I think this is their, what, third consecutive win? In Fourth? Carolina, I think. In yeah. Carolina, yeah. Yeah. Um, so since we 2017, we since own 2017, the Panthers. Yeah, so I, I'll take it. You know, I can't ask for for much more. I mean, they beat a division team. Yeah, you know, I can't can't really complain. I don't really need style points. This isn't college football. I don't need style points, especially when your team is not as talented as others. But yeah, I'll and, take it. And speaking of teams that are probably going to be knocked out of that playoff hunt, did you see Carolina's schedule? Here's your seg right here, Kevin. Here's the, the seg. Yeah, the, they get the Bucks twice. They get the Bills, they get the mm. Saints. Like it's, they're pretty much buried with this loss. Yeah, yeah. At, when you get to the problem is like, whoever's getting the seven seed probably is having a winning record. Probably nine and eight. So if you get to if you fall to nine losses, your chances of getting to the playoffs are you know very very low because then it would basically you're depending on everyone else to also lose nine games. And, who, um, and whoever gets so. that seven seed, because honestly, I think. With what has happened with the Cardinals, with DeAndre Hopkins being out for the rest of the year, I think it's only a matter of time until Green Bay takes that number one seed. So, whoever gets that seven seed now, yeah, whoever gets that seven seed is probably going to have to either go on the road and play Tom Brady, or go on the road and play an Arizona team without their star receiver. And you know, they have been oddly playing. Miserable, well, not miserably, but they've been playing kind of at home. Like they just off. They're just off on the offensive side of the ball for some reason yeah. at home. So, you know, it's a it's a, a tale of two teams at that point, in my uh, opinion. Also, and I know this has nothing to do with uh, any of the talk that we're uh, talking about right now, but you mentioned DeAndre Hopkins getting hurt. How bad does that contract look right now that Arizona gave? Like DeAndre Hopkins has not looked good at all this year and he started breaking down a lot like he was fine when healthy but this is yeah, just another was... another reason in my opinion to not pay a wide receiver big money i'm at this point i'm completely against that wide receivers and running backs is he what a couple weeks ago wasn't it a hamstring injury is yeah, it, it was a hamstring injury time? and it's now a, it's a knee it's injury yeah as soon as they said he was getting a second opinion i was like oh his season's over Whenever you hear that, it's the kiss of death. Yeah, no, so, no one gets on a that se- final... second opinion on something that's good. Yeah. Like, Chase. oh, you're healthy. No, no, no. I want a second opinion. Yeah. Chase Edmonds is dinged up right now. I, I, yeah. I think exactly. I saw so. yeah. Chase, Chase Edmonds is dinged up right now. John JJ's Connor. out for the year. It's tough. Tyler's not 100%. He's yeah. Not looking good. Connor's hurt. Con- yeah, it's, it's rough over there in Arizona. And, I, and that's the thing. Like, I think... Arizona's like the least onerous team that could possibly win the Super Bowl from the NFC. So I would I would have been cheering for them. So I hope they can still get it together. But And they uh, had JJ Watt in the first yeah. Cup, oh, yeah, half yeah, of the season. Yeah. 
Mm-hmm. Yep. Yep. So they've just been sort of hit big. But I mean, that roster is definitely one that's built, I think, to last more than this year. Like they've got, you know, Kyler's in place and they've got some some pieces. So I'm hoping they can either recover this year or next year because I think it's fun. Uh, I think the Cardinals are like a non-evil team, you know. Like I, I like when there's no, non-evil like them, teams, I like you know, them. like doing I think well. They're a so. fun team when they're when they're 100 healthy. I'm talking about with you know DeAndre, no questions. JJ, no questions. I feel like they're they were definitely a serious threat. Yeah, um, yeah. You know, and and the Rams as well. The Rams is another team. Man, did they look good on Monday night? <laughs> they did. They did. Yeah. Um, I know we, we talked a great length about the Panthers game on our post game show, so I don't think we need to spend like too much time on it. But, um, you know, I, I think it was worth noting like John Kaminsky played well in his first real like game action at edge. So it's nice to see him out there. The defense obviously as a whole played well. Um, Michael Walker getting his pick six. That's great. Um, AJ Terrell had the pick probably sh- he could have had another like crazy pick too. Yeah, that he almost pick. caught oh, behind him. Pick. Yeah. That would have been oh. nasty. Um, you know, Give up the Mike touchdown Davis to Robbie Anderson playing, on the island. Yeah, but, you know. Um, you, you, and you know what? One thing I did see from this game that that I wanted to kind of talk about a little bit or, or just, just make a point of, man, you know, the blitz schemes from Dean Pease, um, you know, you can tell he not necessarily threw some things together, but he definitely confused Cam Newton, especially on that Michael Walker pick six. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I went back and looked at that a couple of times. And you can – it would have been hard to figure out who the hell was coming on that play anyway. Yeah. Literally everybody was lined up at the line except three players. Um, but I, that was something that I saw that I, I really, going forward, another encouraging sign about this scheme and this defense. Like, man, if Pease can really upgrade some spots here, man, he can have some fun with his defense because he, he just the. How exotic he can get with his blitz packages um, was was definitely something that that I saw on several occasions against Carolina. Um, but you know, it, all in all, like I said, it was a good win, solid win. A um, couple of things that stood out that I, you know, I, I wish they were. I hope they can capitalize on a little bit. You know, again, leaving in the, the passing game, man. They they left some plays out there. I think they did. Was it, it was yeah. It was not one of Ryan's better games. I mean, I think no, it he wasn't. was sharp on, with some stuff, uh, yeah. but those those couple of deep passes that he missed, those were yeah. costly, um, and it, it's yeah. unfortunate. But, you know, I think on the whole, Ryan had a solid day, but it definitely wasn't right. one of his more memorable performances. No. But, um, no, you know, wasn't. obviously you wish that he hit Tajay Sharp there. But at the end of the day, I mean, I think it was a pretty – it was a pretty comfortable win for the Falcons. You know, freaking Quadrillison doesn't just cough up the ball. <laughs> they they just run the clock out on that drive more than likely. So like it, it's yeah, the Carolina may not even see the ball at that yeah. point. Like, come on, man. So really? considering what they did on the next drive, which is just ran the ball with, without any problems whatsoever. So gotta, and like Olson was play was running the ball well, but it's just you, you can't you can't put the ball in the turf. You just can't do that. Right. So um, um, again, and also you know, Jalen Mayfield was in run run in run blocking. Jalen Mayfield was okay. Yeah, he was okay. Um, pass protection <laughs> still, still not that great. Yeah, still not great. But it was, story. it was That's one of his better games overall. Yeah. So, yeah. Um, definitely, you know, Encouraged. good on Mayfield because he needs to show big growth, uh, to close out the season, right. or he's going to get a veteran competing with him next year. And he should probably either way have. We should bring in a veteran either way. Still get a veteran yeah. competing. Either way. Yeah. But um, 
you know, because the situation behind Mayfield is such that he could be playing like the worst card in the NFL and we're still going to start him. So we need, you know, some other option just in case that happens yeah. again. But uh, yeah, it's, um, you know, I'm glad at least it wasn't that bad. Um, uh, not Evan, did either of you have anything else that you wanted to add about this game? Obviously the running game continued to work. That was nice. Um, Russell Gage still stepping up. Anything else you guys want to touch on before we continue with our sort of playoff talk and uh, 49ers discussion? I wish that uh, we can see Michael Walker for more than six snaps. Yeah. Uh, he, That's all he had? Yeah, he had six snaps in that game. And uh, one of them big six. Holy yeah, he registered like a 99.5 PFF defensive grade. So, And I know PFF like gives a lot of, uh, of benefit for big-time turnovers, which is what, what he forced, and great job to him. But, um, yeah, I definitely think he's earned more snaps. Uh, moving forward at this point. And also, like, by my count, had he played 18 snaps, he would have had three pick sixes. So, well, you know, that's something to consider moving forward. That I get a pick out. six yeah. and you take me off the field. That's what we're yep. doing, Coach. <laughs> <laughs> yep. It was a very clever defensive call. I, I love uh, that. The, the, the so. coach wouldn't be able to take me off the field if I got a pick six. I, I'm putting on my helmet and I'm getting back out there. <laughs> yeah, try to get me off the field. Try. But, uh, yeah, I think um, – it was the, their most complete performance so far, and it comes at the right time because we're obviously hoping that they can continue to play complete football and create turnovers because they're probably going to need it. Uh, <laughs> yeah. They're probably yeah. going to need it uh, to yeah. get the to get it done against the 49ers um, yeah. because they really can't afford to lose this game. Now, like technically, technically. A loss against the 49ers doesn't doom them, but it means you have to go 3-0 and the rest of the way. You can't lose you any more games. You have to win can, in Buffalo. Yeah, you'd have to win in Buffalo, which I think you don't – I think if you go into Buffalo and it's like we could lose this game, I think they're actually in some ways more likely to win because you're not going to be as tight. You're like, we could afford to lose this game. It's a non-conference game. You know, you're much better off if you leave the Buffalo game as the one you can blow. Uh, because I think the Buff- I think the Bills are going to be like energized for that game. They're going to be fighting for their own playoff chances. The Falcons need to be able to lose that Buffalo game. They they need to be able to do that. But and the game doesn't really matter in terms of the playoff seating for the Falcons very much because it's out of conference. Um, but the 49ers game is the most important game on the schedule for a lot of reasons. You know, first of all, getting the head-to-head tiebreaker over San Francisco is big, considering like what you guys were saying. The Falcons have already lost the tiebreakers to Washington and to Philly, who are two of their biggest competitors for the seventh seed. Uh, and they have a chance to lose their tiebreaker to New Orleans at the end of the season um, to where it'll pull even again. So, like, you know, maybe that'll matter. Maybe it won't. Hopefully, I mean, I think we're sort of hoping the Falcons beat them, and they probably have to beat them. But, um, but that is at home. That is at home, so it's very dangerous for the Falcons. Uh, but if you uh, if the Falcons beat the 49ers, they immediately like quadruple their playoff chances. And this is the only game on the schedule that does this. Um, if you beat the 49ers, your playoff chances go from 12 to 42. Uh, and if you win out the rest of the way after beating San Francisco, so you go three in, or if, well, if you if you win all four games, you're going to the playoffs. If you beat San Francisco, lose to Buffalo and uh, win your other two games. So you go 3-1, and one, I believe they have like a 75% chance to make the playoffs. So very likely at that point. Um, if they lose to the 49ers, the highest chance they have of making the playoffs, I think, is like 40-something, even if they win the other three games. Um, it's just, uh, 
I mean, it's it's not likely. Uh, it, it, they, if they're gonna win with a three, like a nine and eight record, they they kind of have to beat the 49ers because they're they're gonna be depending on other teams to lose in order to make it work at that point. Um, you know, Philadelphia and Washington would both have to come in and Minnesota added. too, right? Yeah, and they. I don't know if the Falcons. I kept playing you know, with that ESPN playoff machine, and Minnesota would keep popping up ahead of the Falcons. Yeah, it might be because of conference records. So I don't. Oh. Yeah, I, I don't know. Um, I would. It would probably depend on exactly which games the Falcons win and lose. But um, yeah, so it's they have to win this game. <laughs> <laughs> That's basically yeah. what I'm trying to say. So I guess where I'm trying to go now is like, can they win this game? Adnan, is there a chance for this to happen? Of course there's a chance. I mean, it's... The, that doesn't uh, sound encouraging. No, it's, it's, of course there's <laughs> a chance. There's, there's always a chance he can hit the lottery too. Yeah. No, no. Like the 49ers are a good football team. They're clicking right now, which isn't a good thing for the Falcons. They are nine and a half point favorites in this game. Um, which is actually a lot when you consider the fact that both these teams have the same exact record. Um, but the 49ers aren't exactly the 2020 Kansas City Chiefs or 2019 Chiefs. Like, they're not a team that, that you know, kind of puts the fear in you when, when you're like, oh, my God, it's the 49ers. Like, this isn't the 49ers <laughs> right. from a couple of years ago, the team that went to the Super Bowl. Um, the team that the Falcons should have beat? That one, uh, the, that one that, year? the Falcons yeah. did beat actually right. that year. Right. Ironically, yeah, yeah. that was that, that was the Julio Jones game, the last, um, 2019, where you know Julio had like a monster perform- performance, yep. and they just pulled it out uh, at the very end. But San Francisco, they will, they are heavy favorites for a reason. Um, they are absolutely starting to click. Debo Samuel has been one of the best wide receivers in the NFL this year. He's coming back. I don't know how limited he'll be uh, by that injury uh, that uh, that uh, pulled him out of the last couple of games, but he's incredibly explosive. They're doing the Cordero Patterson stuff with him where, you know, they're lacking some stuff at running back so uh, due to injuries. So Kyle Shanahan's kind of started playing him as running back, and he's been absolutely amazing at it. Um, a, a guy who isn't limited by his injuries anymore is George Kittle, yep. who uh, missed, I think, a month with a, cal- with a lingering calf injury. He, the last couple of games, has been absolutely incredible. Um, and, you know, last week against Cincinnati, he had that incredible catch to put them in field goal range in overtime to win that game. Uh, a couple weeks ago, he scored a couple touchdowns against the Seattle Seahawks. He, like, he, he has had some struggles this year, but he's definitely looked like the George Kittle from 2019, who was arguably the best tight end in the NFL. And, you know, he's really clicking right now. Uh, Jimmy Garoppolo has never inspired confidence. Uh, but, you know, he's, he's definitely getting the job done. You have uh, Trent Williams, who's been, I think, probably the best left tackle in the NFL this year. Having the best offensive tackle season ever per PFF. He is a 99 grade. I don't yep. believe it his, can get much his higher run blocking, His run blocking is a 99. I think, we, I think the four of us have 99 grade as well. <laughs> yes, for our podcasting so, performance. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah uh, those are PFF analytics. Yeah. Yeah. Um, Nick Bosa has been – Nick Bosa has 14 sacks this year. Quietly. Quietly. 
Yeah. Do the Falcons as a team have 14 sacks? Probably this not. I think um, they do, but not by not many more than that. Oh, uh, yeah. yeah. Nick Bosa and Eric Armstead has also been very, very good on the interior of the defensive line. And you know you can only double team one of them at a time, so right. that's going to be a, a, a pick your poison type thing. I would lean toward, you know, giving some extra attention toward Nick Bosa, but the offensive line really, really has to be on its game in this one because. You know, there, there aren't many players uh, in the NFL. There aren't too many pass rushers who can absolutely take over a game. But Nick Bose is definitely one of those guys where if you let him get going, he can completely change the, the outcome of a game. Um, you know, we don't know exactly what their running back depth is going to look like uh, with Elijah Mich- Mitchell still dealing with a concussion, but probably m- might not even matter because – they have Debo Samuel there. <laughs> right. They have Brandon Ayuk, another explosive guy. Like the 49ers have a lot more talent than the Falcons do. And it's going to come down to coaching. And it's going to come down to can Arthur Smith out coach Kyle Shanahan? Um, and, and can the Atlanta Falcons defense kind of get a couple turnovers to go their way? Because the great equalizer when you're talking about a talent discrepancy as a turnover battle, I feel like if the Falcons lose the turnover battle, they're going to lose this game. They, they, if anything, have to win this turnover battle, probably by at least a couple of turnovers. So, yeah. you know, no no fumbles by the running backs is yes, what I'm please saying. Yes, please, God. Yeah. Um, but, yeah, it's uh, – I wouldn't objectively pick – the Falcons to win this game <laughs> objectively but, you, know, you never know maybe yeah maybe they, no, any I, given Sunday maybe any given Sunday yeah well they have the same problem that the Falcons do which is that they're bad at home they yeah, think, they're I think they're like, at home yeah they're they're three and 12 or something over the past two seasons at home so they they for whatever reason just play really bad at home so that's really what the Falcons are hoping for is probably a bad 49ers performance, a classic bad home game from them, probably similar to the last time these two teams played in 2019 in San Francisco, um, which was just a bad performance by them, strangely. But before I want to I want to take a quick break here uh, just to let people know uh, to please like and subscribe if you're enjoying the show. Uh, those metrics really help us out. Uh, thank you guys for that. Uh, for our patrons or anyone who's interested in becoming a patron, the uh, patron Q&A is Friday at 6 p.m. Eastern Time. Uh, we've got Dave Chode and Gina Kelly, maybe some more folks coming on uh, for that. Uh, and that will, be, again, be Friday at 6. If you're interested in joining up with the Patreon and you haven't done that yet, you can go to patreon.com slash Live for all the details there. Thanks to all of our patrons now uh, for the first year of the Patreon. And uh, we've got a lot more things in store for you as well going forward. Uh, then before we get back to the analysis, George Costanza with the $3 says, so you're telling me there's a chance. Surely you can't be serious. There is a chance, George, uh, but they have to win this game. If you want, if we want to keep talking playoffs, they have to win this game. They win this game. It's very possible. If they lose this game scenarios in that case, yeah, if they lose this game, it's, you know, probably you lose it. You need everyone else to just go like one and three. If you lose it, you're sort of just rooting for all these other teams to lose. And that's yeah. not a situation yeah. you ever want to be in. So, um, This is Advertiser Content, brought to you by Frito-Lay. 
Hello, I'm Chip Murphy, here to get you ready for the big tournament. Tonight we'll break down... We break down who will be cutting... Cut! What are you two doing? Sorry, Chip. Prez here got his feathers ruffled when I told him Ruffles has zero chance of winning the title. And I was letting Dip know that she is not taking into account Ruffles' iconic ridges. Guys, it's March. We have to start talking about the tournament. We are. It is the 2023 Frito-Lay Snack-It. We're talking about big-time matchups between Cheetos, Smart Food, Lay's, Sun Chips, and more. Just head to the Frito-Lay Snack Bracket and vote for your favorite chip, pretzel, or dip for a chance to win up to $1,000 or a year's worth of snacks. This sounds great. Keep up the good work. Just go to frito No purchase necessary. Sweepstakes ends 4-3-2023. Void wherever hit Here's worth of snacks awarded in the form of 52 coupons, each good for one bag of chips. See official rules at Frito-LaySnackIt.SBNation.com. Yeah, so uh, just some stats, you know, for people that, like, uh, yeah, they're 2-4 they're and four at home this year, the 49ers. So they've been vulnerable there. Um, they're 20th in scoring defense, so they've been a vulnerable defense. They're better in terms of yardage. I think they're 8th. They're quite injured at corner, but they've actually been the sixth best passing defense in terms of yardage. Um, but in terms of the run, they're actually you know average to below average. So they're they're vulnerable to the run. Um, they've been a pretty good uh, offense in terms of rushing and passing. They're like 14th in passing, eighth in rushing. So that's been a strength for them. Um, so it, it this is a, a team that you know probably right seven and six is about right um surprisingly despite you know the nick bosa arc armstead combo their overall pressure rate is not very good i think it's only about 20 percent um so they get a lot of sacks but in terms of pressure on like on a per play basis they're they're not necessarily generating a ton of consistent pressure but you know nick bosa has shown the ability to sort of take over games if you can't block him so that's really what the falcons have to try to avoid is just letting and, Bosa and, sort of take over the entire game. Out of, that, out of that 20%, I think Bosa accounts for like 13 or 14 Probably. Yeah. So, Probably oh, between like Armstead and Bosa, geez. it's like almost all of the pressures. Um, yeah. So this uh, is a defense that's it's really relying on a couple of stars, and Fred Warner's yeah. been hurt as well. So that, you know, is another star on their defense that may or may not play this week. Um, like you guys said, Elijah Mitchell's still in concussion protocol. We'll see what happens there. Um yeah, go ahead. Yeah, yeah. So a couple a couple things stand out to me. You know, this they they played well, very well as of late. They've won four of the last five, and the only loss was a one uh, a one score loss on the road at Seattle, <clears throat> which they probably should have won that game. Um, and they were they were within what they were inside the five. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Going in the score, right? I think it was mm-hmm. something like that. There, there. It was. It came down to that last possession of the game. But um, one thing that stood out about me, they're deep <clears throat> in that in that five game span. Their defense forced eleven turnovers, and I think uh, they've only allowed over a hundred yard over a hundred yards rushing in one of those five games. Um, so. They have been playing very well, especially on the defensive side of the ball, even with the injuries. Um, it's it's not a great time to play them right now. Right, right. It really isn't. Because not only have they played well, has Garoppolo played well, but 
the last four or five weeks is when the Niners have really, and Kyle Shanahan in particular, have really started to use the dual threat ability of Debo Samuel. Like, right. it really wasn't much of a case until the last four or five weeks. He, he, I think he had, like, at least six carries in each of the last three games. Um, and, and he's had, I think, four rushing touchdowns in the last three games as well. So, right, they're, they're hot right now. Yeah. You guys pointed out earlier in the show, George Kittle is playing out his mind right, right now as well. It's it's a tough draw. They're even getting Ayuk involved, which yep. somehow completely non-existing over the course of the first like two months of the season, um, two and a half months of the season. But you 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 made a great point um, as far as the turnover battle. I think that's the one that's the one stat they need to win. No questions asked. They need to win the turnover battle. Mm-hmm. Um, in order, in order to to have a chance in this game, um, so we'll we'll see. There's, I, man, I it's it's tough to defend this team as it is. It's even tougher when you have injuries in the secondary and you don't have a pass rush whatsoever. Yeah, that's obviously not great. the The saving grace is that Garoppolo is not a great quarterback, and he he. He is prone to mistakes and has made them on occasion, especially at home. Uh, so, you know, he turned the ball. Uh, there was three turnovers at home against the Cardinals in week nine, four in week seven, uh, two in weeks four and three. Uh, so, you know, that that's really been their Achilles heel is when they lose, they turn the ball over and they do turn the ball over at home. <laughs> so, the Falcons have to take advantage of that. They have to get some of those turnovers and, and shorten the game, flip the script, and then, you know, the Falcons probably have to play, like, a good to great game to win, pretty much. Damn near um, flawless. Yeah. Damn yeah. near. Kind of like what they needed to do against the Bucks, and they did not, you know. <laughs> so, like, they need to play, like, a good to great game to win. And, like, I think they played a good game against the Panthers, but I don't think that sort of performance is going to be enough against the 49ers. No. They, yeah. yeah, they got it. They got to win the turnover. I don't. I, I honestly don't believe, guys. This is going to be a game where we're going to see that run game get going. I think this run game is going to get bottled up a little bit. So this is probably going to have to be a game where Matt Ryan is going to have to win it. He's going to have to make some plays in the passing game. Not saying he can't, but this is is just the way it's stacking up um, in a in a certain in a certain way. Um, so again, the turnover battle was key, but. This is Arthur Smith's going to have to roll back his sleeves a little bit in the passing game this week, even right. though he's playing a secondary that's not you know a formidable one. It's not a great one. They haven't they've been playing you know average football for the most of the season. But the run again, the run game is going to get there. You're going to have to come up with a short passing game to prevent from Nick Bosa yeah. breathing out Matt Ryan's neck. It's exactly. going to have to be quick. It's going to have to be efficient. You know what? I don't I don't mind having 11, 12, 13 play drives that take up 5 or 6 minutes and they're getting 4 or 5 yards a pop. I don't I don't mind that at all. Yeah. I'm good with that. Yeah, I mean they might need to do that this time and I, I think the secret yeah. to beating Bosa is you have to try to run through his side. Not that he's a bad run defender, he's just a better pass rusher. They'll have to do that, but they'll have to do it with the short passing game, not the yeah. run game cuz normally right, not in just situations you're leaning on your run game to just 
get yards and eat up clock. But I think they're going to have to utilize the short, quick, efficient passing game to get the ball down the field in a in a in efficient and methodical manner. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Um, yeah, and I, I, uh, it's a tough, tough draw, tough draw. Um, yeah, I mean, Evan, did you have a, a take on this game? You think that the Falcons can can possibly pull this off? Where where are you sort of leaning on this one? Um. I don't really, but that also gives me hope that they might because there was a couple games this season where I didn't really see them winning and they just did. Um, and also the fact that, as Adnan mentioned, you know, the 49ers aren't great at, at home and the Falcons have been their best. Football's been on the road. So, I mean, that kind of plays into the Falcons' favor. But, um, I mean, the 49ers are a good team. I know they're 7-6 and six and people have pointed that out. Um, in the chat, but they're they're a good team. They've got a lot of good players. Um, it's just more of if they're healthy. Is better in their record. Sure. Yeah, it is. It is. But yeah. I mean, it's easy to look at the record and think they must suck. But when you really look <laughs> at like the talent they have, I mean, if they don't have Elijah Mitchell, um, I think that'll be big because he's been a big part of their uh, running game. Obviously, Debo Samuel kind of does the Patterson thing where he plays running back too and going from Jeff Wilson, who's not a terrible running back, but not efficient to where like Elijah Mitchell is right. um, that that would be a downgrade for them. Also worth noting uh, George Kittle didn't practice today because of knee soreness. I mean, Ooh. I'm sure he's going to play, but um, oh. Oh. So that's something yeah. uh, Keep that in mind. Yeah. Um, but yeah, this team also uh, regarding the record there, they also haven't been, healthy regarding their offensive weapons. Like I mentioned, Kittle missed a whole month because mm-hmm. of a calf, a calf issue. Debo missed the last couple of games. Brandon Ayuk, like Eric mentioned, wasn't even part of the offensive game plan, and now he is. Um, you know, their running backs also, they've had a revolving door, but Kyle Shanahan is just, you can you can put one of us at running back, and I'm sure we'll, we'll be able <laughs> to get like 60 yards in a game in Kyle Shanahan's offense. Um so yeah, the, this is a team that they're also kind of getting healthy at the right time, at least regarding offensively. So yeah, that's that's another uh, reason for a bit of the apprehension. Um, also, I don't think it's the worst thing that this game isn't at home because I'm sure there will be a few 49ers fans in the stands if uh, this game was at the Benz. So you know, it's uh, it's it's saving the Falcons from a bad look. Uh, that's for sure. Yeah. yeah, and they yeah they they may not have um, the lug they may not have the services of Elijah Mitchell, but that's what makes their run game so diverse because they I mean they can always line up Debo and to be quite honest with you Brandon Ayuk is Debo Samuel light to be honest right with you, the way exactly they utilize. And the they, only thing that's held him back is they didn't really use him they like, just didn't use him yeah right. It yeah. wasn't like he just Fucking sucked weird. or something. Like they just—I right. think there was games where he had maybe like one target. Yeah, <laughs> like, yeah, just yeah. weird. One thing that I that I noticed a lot um, on tape, they 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 orchestrate a lot out of shotgun with I with Garoppolo being flanked by Ayuk or Debo or a combination of both, which is. That's that's going to be tough to defend, you know. Yep, um, yep. And in many cases, they like to do pre-snap motion with Debo lined up in the slot or at X, and he he motions into a running back position pre-snap. And of course, that's a dead giveaway. He's going to run the ball, but still, they're not. It's not just a situation where 
they come straight out the huddle right, and Garoppolo's right. on the center and Debo's back. Like, no, they're really yeah. diverse with their look, with their pre-snap looks as well. Yep. So, All right, guys. Well, that's a good note, Eric. And on that note, we have a Falcons legend and joining the show here. We've got Bob Whitfield coming in now. Bob, can you hear me okay? Yeah, can you guys hear me? Yes, yeah, sir. Yeah, yep. I can see you too. Perfect. Yeah, you won't be able to see me. That's not on your end. That's, that's all me. So, <laughs> <laughs> how you doing tonight, Bob? Oh man, I'm good. I'm excited about this. Can yeah. talk some real football. Yeah, man. Appreciate appreciate you coming on. Uh, it's awesome. I know a lot of fans are real excited to talk to you. Uh, guys, he is Bob Whitfield of 1998 Falcons fame, former first round pick, pro bowler extraordinaire, uh, man with a long and storied career. I believe it was what, 12, 13 straight seasons starting for the Falcons. So, uh, just a real honor to have you on. Thanks again for coming. Hey, thanks for having me. It's 12 seasons here in our, in our great city. And then I did a year in Jacksonville with Jack Del Rio and then finished up with Tom Coughlin and Eli Manning up in New York with the New York Giants. That's right. Yeah. Yeah. Well, all in all, you, you missed, you missed Atlanta, didn't you? Missed the Falcons. <laughs> oh yeah, this is this was a, a great time in the ATL. This was, you know, the the city went through a lot of different monikers during my time, but we were the original Dirty Birds, and we were the ones that really got the the city moving and grooving that year, and and played some solid football. So I think the fans are definitely itching to try to get back to those great years, and and even. The years that were short-lived uh, and that but debacle, you know, in the Super Bowl. But I said, hey, they weren't the first to lose the Super Bowl. We were. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. That's a good perspective. Yeah. That's, you know, it's it's rough. Uh, Bob, yep. Bob, do you think you could suit up for a couple snaps this weekend? Uh, you know, the Falcons <laughs> may need some help along the O-line. Look, I'm glad you said a couple because <laughs> that might be all that I can give you is a couple. But just, you know, I have to I have to give those guys some credit when credit is is deserved, and I have to give them some you know some some smacks across the head when they deserve it too. But I said for the most part, you definitely got to beat the teams that you're equally matched and should beat. So what yep. they did with Carolina. I said, yo, they should have done that with that team. They were equally matched, may have been better in some areas, but what they have to look forward to this week going against the 49ers, you're like, hey, some of your your undermanned positions, some of your newbies like Mayfield, he's going to have to put his big boy pads on and, and, and really give a tussle out there. Yeah, yeah. And then brought up a couple of snaps, man. To be quite honest with you, we we may just need you out there to chip Nick Nick Bosa a little bit. That that's that's probably all we need. You, you think you can give him an elbow or, or forearm shiver or two coming off the edge, just well, to slow him down a little bit. Well, I think what you're gonna have to do is you're gonna have to mix it up against Bosa because you see yeah. teams have been moving him around from different sides. So basically they've been trying to find matchups, whether it's He's on the left end, right end, or he's coming with stunts. So I think the the part of chipping and doubling or having extra hands on Bosa has to come from receivers that's looking like they're going to crack back, come from fullbacks or running backs, you know, come from tight ends in motion. You just got to come from a, a plethora of different ways so that you can knock him around a little bit to make it advantageous for your for your line. Keeping it on the theme of the offensive line, Bob, what what have you seen from the Falcons' offensive line this year that you 
like dislike some improvements that you would like to see here and there what, what what's one thing you've observed well I, I i knew going in they they were gonna have to play some young players maybe even a rookie player in the starting position and yeah. it was gonna be how well does that guy hold up and i must say that in big time matchups our young rookies haven't held up mayfield haven't held up in a big time matchup but you know, our young centers, uh, Dharma, didn't hold up in a big-time matchup. But as a unit, for unit growth, you had enough time on the field with Jake Matthews as the anchor, with filling in that new interior at center with Hennessy and Dahlman. But then that right-hand side has been the same two guys from the last two years. So we know that these dudes are still growing into their football prowess, their capacity to stop the top-notch defensive players. However, as a unit and a, a unit working together, I still give them good progress that they can compete well enough that if you game plan for some premier guys like a Bosa, these guys should be able to hold up. It's just when you have to put them on too many back-to-back -back drives of where one-on-one -on -one matchups can expose our weakest link, then the weakest link, who I think is the young players in Mayfield, will be exposed. Yeah, I eat Tampa. That Tampa game, I, I can't yeah. help it. <laughs> That's a rough matchup for him with Vita Vea and all those guys. I mean, it really they they threw Mayfield to the Wolves. I mean, it was to to take a guy who had played left tackle his entire college career, tell him you're playing guard. Oh, and you're or excuse me, right tackle. They're telling him, okay, now you're going to go day one. You're going to go play uh, guard, and you're going to play left guard. Uh, you know, it was expected that he would struggle. And and, um, and Bob, uh, can you just speak on just how difficult? a transition like that would be made so abruptly to go from, you know, playing right tackle for so long and then to just be thrown into, into a left guard position. And see, I would think that it could be easier because of the tackle having to go against guys in space, movement guys, so that the, you know, short area quickness of a tackle moving inside to guard would be something he adapts to. Maybe moving from right to left is something that, hey, now you're learning a new stance and your feet, your feet are learning some new things. But what I saw in the in the Tampa game was you never realized grown man strength when it was coming at you. <laughs> so now you just got a different rookie type of you know yeah. thing that you got to get through. Like them is a rookie groin pain that yo, he's a big strong guy. But he's not that strong yet to handle that level of speed and quickness in a one-on-one -on -one battle in a crucial time. So it's like sometimes you do sacrifice. It's like send somebody, send some help that way. But I think if you can allow him to soften those guys up in the run game and stay ahead of the sticks, he gives you great snaps. He gives you great service out there. But if you're behind the chains, eh. <laughs> Well, he, <laughs> I mean, I mean yeah, he, he went from covering undersized defensive ends in the Big Ten to taking on Fletcher Cox in his first game. Like that's that's, that's different. A, yeah. that's, that's a huge transition, man. It's a big time transition, but yeah. it's one of the transitions. I think that they gave us the precursor that somebody young was going to be in the mix. Yeah, and it yeah. happens to be Mayfield. I think as a coach, you want to protect them. But that means all these other things got to work right. That means yeah. first down runs have yeah. to get four yards each time. 
You can't be first down, run the ball, and only get two yards because more chances than not, the coach is not coming back with a run again. So it's things that teams' defensive salivate on is that can you get this rookie player in a vulnerable position? And can you get that young guy matched up to where he's on a one-on-one ISO? Yeah. Yeah, well, what do you think about, um, obviously, early in the season, the Falcons' offensive line really struggled with run blocking. And as we know, run blocking is a lot about chemistry. Um, so is there anything in particular that you've noticed uh, over the last few games where they've you know ob- run for over 100 yards each of the last three games after being you know 30th in the NFL and rushing up until this point? Usually run blocking comes from dedication. And you have to dedicate yourself to running the ball. The same team they played last week, what they said uh, Brady was fired as the offensive coordinator from Carolina because he didn't he dedicate didn't run to running the ball. <laughs> So when you when you got a, a a thick back like Mike Davis, he heats up the more carries he gets. So it's almost like you have to feed him the ball. It's that moniker that Ezekiel Elliott does. You got to keep feeding him, feeding him. Is really what it's saying is that to be successful in the run and and where uh, Arthur Smith came from was a running attack that fed a big dog running back. You got to keep feeding that running game so that those early misses. You just can't say I'm going to turn away from the run. I'm going to go back to it. So even if I don't get four yards on first down, I just can't scrap my whole running attack. Go back to it again. Get your line hungry for some good mash blocks where they can go downfield and hit some small dudes on the run. And then it just opens up to what we like, play action pass. Yeah. yeah. Speaking speaking of Arthur Smith, Year one, man. What 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 are you thinking about him? What are you what are you thinking of him right now? How's he how's he holding up in in your in your view from your viewpoint? Well, he, I mean, he he's he's done a noble job because he didn't quit. So <laughs> so already, you know, all the, yeah. pre- the pressure <laughs> on him. <laughs> you know, everybody's talking about him. He didn't quit, so we we like him for that. You know, he went through about thirty different look changes from full beard to. Maybe mustache, yeah. a little yeah. bit of gold tea. I'm waiting for a mohawk and some earrings. <laughs> but for the most part, I I see a, a a coach dedicated to what he's trying to resolve this team to. But I don't know if the team buys in. It seems like somewhere from week to week, there's this selling pitch that he has to do to get them to buy in from each week. And maybe it's because the long-term defined stars like Julio Jones, you know, they're gone. But it's one of those things is that I think as long as the players are concerned about their outcome, they can trust enough in what he's trying to do for this team that I feel that they have talent, that they can be, you know, successful and competitive. But that any doubt in that locker room, any rumblings of concern in the locker room, I feel you'll see a fall off in play that you can't recover from. Yeah. Yeah. That makes sense. Yeah. I mean, this is definitely uh, sort of a tenuous situation with the roster and, you know, he's, he's been missing some guys that he was probably expecting to have. So I, I definitely think it's a, a good job by him to have gotten six wins out of this, this team. Uh, and, you know, potential for more, obviously with games, 
you know, against Detroit, which I think we all probably are, you know, hoping is a win, uh, hoping, uh, and probably, you know, hope, hope for the Saints sweep as well. That's a big one. Um, but they do have a legitimate chance to make the playoffs if, if they beat the 49ers this weekend. Uh, do you think, do you see that upset happening or, or do you, you know, think it's, it's a pretty tall task? I mean, it's definitely a tall task. If I had to say who was going to be favored going in, I would give it to 49ers. And that's only because of the home field. But when I look at the matchup, you know, the matchup football, I say they got as many weapons at tight end as we have at tight end. At running back, I put our running backs on the matchup with their running backs. Their offensive line has some seasoned guys, but they're – Oldest season guys, real you know, youngest season guys, like two years in the league. So our right side is some two-year young guys. So I said from a matchup matchup standpoint, I said we can hang with them. We can hang pretty good with them. I think we match up well with them, and we might even have the advantage in a couple key positions, except we don't have that Debo Samuel guy, you know. And I said, that's the, I said, our Patterson, as much as we try to use him, is not the way that they use Debo Samuel. And I, I just say, that's the guy that the defense has to, to stop, you know, and if, if hopefully he's still, I don't know if he's still questionable leading into the game, but it, he's the one that Debo Samuel and Kittle's on the field at the same time. That's a tough, that's a tall order, tough, a tough sled right there. Yeah. Yeah. Very tough. Uh, it's going to be a key, obviously, to try to limit what those guys can do. And we'll obviously monitor the health of those guys as well. Kittle missed practice today with what they were calling knee soreness. I don't believe his status for the game is in question, but definitely worth monitoring going in. Uh, Evan, Adnan, you guys have any uh, questions for Bob? I know we had some from uh, the chat as well, but I wanted to give you guys a chance first. Oh. Um, yeah, I had a question just, uh, Bob, regarding your career, the longevity of it. So from 1993 through 2002 for the Falcons, you started 159 out of 160 games uh, all along the offensive line. And, you know, we know that the offensive line, you know, you're you're clashing every single time. It's, it's not like a wide receiver where you're, you know, they're not going to be in the action every single time. But I wanted to ask what... Of course, there's some good fortune in there as well. But what goes into, you know, starting that many games? And, you know, what did you do regarding your, uh, you know, off-season workouts, your pregame, your pre-week routines to help you get to that level of longevity? I think uh, uh, a, lot of t- a lot of the fortitude that it takes is is what you do every day. So on the days that you're down at practice or you're feeling sluggish is how do you elevate your play on those days? You know, uh, days in the off season when maybe you just didn't feel like getting up early, you know, what did you do to get up early that day? So I think it's a culmination of a, a lot of good luck, but then just a lot of added motivation, little bit of line yap, a little bit of extra that goes in to say, I think I can make my guys better. I can do a little extra. I can play a little harder, run a little faster, stay on my feet a little longer on these blocks, and just have more success. So it's you know it's one of the things I permeate to younger athletes, whatever, whatever. You know, 
once you start playing football, everything hurts, you know. So I got to be able to play through hurt, you know. Hurt, yeah, that just happens. But injured means there's something I can't play through. And I, the thing I was most scared of was being injured. Yeah. So I try to, you know, avoid injury by playing smarter, stronger, faster, and all that. So it's it's one of those things that I, I, I think you definitely have to be fearless because when you have to go dig somebody out of a block, you just got to dig them out. My shoulders a little sore. <laughs> hey, do it and get through. But I think for the most part, it's just a dedication so that even when you're hurting, you're still trying to get back and and put some hurt on that opponent. Yeah, yeah, that's that's great. I, I have a question. Um, you probably get it often, but you know, playing in that interesting period from the early '90s into the early 2000s, um, who were some of your like favorite teammates on the Falcons? I would start from the earliest ones were, uh, of course, uh, prime time Deion Sanders. It's because you got to experience Deion, got to learn from Deion, one of the most prepared. Uh, players that I ever witnessed just as far as his pregame preparation to his film study of his opponents to knowing the schematic of the team to how much uh, time he spent on his meticulous wardrobe. So <laughs> I got all of that. My shoe game, my sock game. You get it from Deion Sanders in prime time. Look and then good, there was, uh, you know, flamboyancy. Of, of We had Andre Risen. You know, we had flamboyancy. <laughs> Flamboyant players, Jamal, the, the, the Jamal Anderson, the Dirty Bird. You know, it was a mix of guys. You know, to uh, just quiet. You know, the quiet uh, played against his guitar was Bobby Christian. Mm. <laughs> but when you when you come around that mix of, of guys, that's what makes the team a whole. So when you have a, 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 a wide complexion of guys, different backgrounds, different colleges, different things, but then they bring all of that and make it like your Falcon culture. Yeah. Mm. So, you know, we used to have meals at my house and then it was exotic foods from all over. But the guys was like, man, this is how you bond with each other. So mm-hmm. it's always good. It was, it was good bonding years. I just remember playing in those early teams in the Falcons. Because you got to remember, even when Dion was here, we were still scrapping, and San Francisco 49ers was the team to beat back then. Right. Mm-hmm. So just like this weekend. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. circle. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> exactly, yeah. All right, well, we got a question here from one of our uh, most common uh, long-time viewers he goes by george costanza uh unclear on if he's the real george costanza from seinfeld or not but uh he's he asks uh bob you were drafted of course by jerry glanville mostly however you played for june jones and dan reeves during your time in atlanta obviously those are polar opposites on offense so what was it like to transition from that run and shoot scheme uh to that conservative more conservative run-based attack later on in your career I tell you what, it was the toughest training camp I ever went through because <laughs> when we, we were with June Jones and even with Jerry, who was June Jones was the offensive coordinator, the long period was our one-on-ones when the seven-on-seven was going on for the receivers, the skill positions. So we were doing a lot of pass blocking. But as soon as we get Dan Reeves in and we're changing the mix-up of how many times we're going to run a game, 
Now we have all these individual run blocking drills. So it was just one of those things. It was like, I didn't, I thought I had like that model neck, like long <laughs> neck, you know, super trying neck. And then all of a sudden I had the little short, grumpy, thick neck. <laughs> like, oh, I got a football neck now. Thanks, Dan. You didn't mess it up for my modeling career. <laughs> but it was just, to me, I liked it just, I mean, because now my whole football IQ was changing. Like we were doing double team blocks versus zone blocks. You know, the whole football thing was changing. So I had to learn new techniques, refocus, learn new things. And it was a level of toughness that I said, you could not emulate this level of toughness in your play in the run and shoot. It was just hard to do. Yeah. Yeah. Completely different. That's that's Yeah. Mm. Okay, we got from Jason Gaines, another longtime viewer. So he says, first of all, thank you so much for protecting Chris Chandler's blind side during the 98 Super Bowl run. Uh, and then he's got two quick questions for you. Uh, first of all, what was it like to block for Mike Vick? I know you guys had a couple years together. And then also, uh, did you have a particular Falcons running back that was your favorite to block for? So I'm going to start with the Mike Vick question. I used to always get mad at Vic just because <laughs> I'm like, Vic, stay in the pocket just a tad longer, yo. We got these blocks working in our favor. And then you see him shoot out. You were like, oh, man, now the chase is on. So it was because I said Vic was young when I had him in his career. I remember his first game, his first game stepping on the field in you know, season action was actually against the 49ers. 49ers Imagine yeah. that. Yeah. Wow. <laughs> you know, he put on his Carmax in the huddle. It wasn't even Carmax. He had chapstick. He must have had a chapstick deal. He took his chapstick, <laughs> got the, the little recesses of his helmet and put it on, make sure he called the play with some good, nice, moist lips. <laughs> and, you know, he called the play. But it was one of those things that Mike Vick was a one or two read guy. And <laughs> that third read was I'm jetting out of it. <laughs> but when you've been blocking for Chandler, <laughs> Chris Chandler is like a four, five <laughs> read guy. <laughs> I mean, he's blocking receiver on the right, tight ends, he's on the left, the little check down right in the backfield. He even waiting on the running back that was blocking in the backfield to release the block and go out. Like, yo. Chandler, you waiting on the, the penalty of intentional grounding, how long he would hold the ball. It was a, a stark contrast from Vic. Vic was quick with it. It was one or two, and if it ain't there in one or two, I'm out of here. But he was a great teammate just because it changed just how you had to defend. You had, you had to contend with him running, so it changed how teams played us. They some guys didn't rush. Some guys. So it, it it was it was an awesome time with Mike. Yeah, yeah, kind of a harbinger. Oh, of the, the running of the back NFL question. Too. Yeah, yeah. I got the running back. So the fun ones, you know, of course, Eric Pegram, which many won't remember Eric Pegram from back in the running shoe years. And then we stole one with Craig Ironhead Hayward. Yeah. And and he he would unleash some of the vicious blocks. So Jalen Mayfield needs an Ironhead Hayward in running back. Yeah, yeah. Because he would soften up those dudes, you know. <laughs> of course, I had Jamal Anderson in his prime, and then Tiki Tiki uh, Barber in his best year in New York. So mm. you know, 
and I did I mention Freddie T, Fred Taylor down in Jacksonville. Mm-hmm. So yep, yep. To to be around these explosive explosive players, to be around guys that definitely left their mark on the league with their running style and ability, I I was always astonished because if I had a bad block, these were dudes that still made me look good. I, I, every now and then, uh, your, your former teammate Keenan Forney would be on here as well, and and he got tossed that same question as far as protecting for or blocking for Vic, and he would he would always say like, "Man, you you'll block for Vic, but it will only be for like a couple seconds, because most <laughs> times when he takes off, you're not even realizing that he's going. He took off and he's gone." Um, but yeah, but he also said the same thing, uh, that you said about the, the, um, the transitioning from a run blocking scheme to kind of sort of like a run and shoot type thing, or even just transitioning to that type of offense with Vic back there, man, that's, that's a different, that's a different transition right there. Um, to kind of of harp on that a little bit, if I can, Kevin, The, the evolution of the offensive line. From when you started to when you retired, like and to even now, you know what what is what is one thing that you're you're seeing right now that you probably never envisioned to see from offensive linemen? You know when you started when you when you first got into the league. Well, I was always biased because I wanted them to consider the line a skilled position, and I was just mad that they didn't say we were skilled guys. You know. Yeah. <laughs> But it was the thing that I said that with offensive linemen, what you ask them to do goes beyond most other positions. You know, we got to be strong going forward, strong going backward, fast going sideways. Yeah. And all these different angles and all these different blocking schemes. And we play all these plays. And then I said, what changes is they thought that we were only big, nasty players. But what you saw with maybe Tristan Wirfs in Tampa was that these were big, agile, elite players that can move, that can block on screens, that get downfield, that that can move a a big man, can chase down a small man, can smart enough to have multiple plays in protection and in run schemes and really do some phenomenal things out there on the field. And then – pound you out with the good ground and pound late in the game that can enforce, you know, their will upon you. So to me, I made offensive linemen and any young offensive linemen that I work with, I make them the best athlete on the field. And and the old linemen are the ones that are in action every single play. Like there's going to be, there's going to be a collision every single, every single snap. Yep. Yeah, there's no and, running a little, you know, break route uh, where you can kind of go half speed on the offensive line. You do that, your quarterback <laughs> about to get killed. So, <laughs> I said we don't we don't have a duck. We don't yeah. get the duck. <laughs> I said because even when we try to go low, that's a strategic block to cut someone, but you can't whiff. So it was like from the skill set, and I and I try to make sure all the linemen that I get to experience, young ones, even if they're pop Warner. I don't want them to feel that it's just, oh, because I'm big, that's why I'm on the line. Because I'm the heaviest guy on the team, that's why I'm on the line. I do want them to understand how to move that weight around and be athletic and and, and be proud of their size because I know for young athletes or young kids coming up, 
you know, being the big guys getting ridiculed. But for, you know, a football star being the big man on campus is a, is a notch on your belt. So I want them to have some pride, but I also want them to know that they do have to be this athletic because you're going to have to pick up a 300-pound defensive lineman and maybe a safety blitzing off the edge on different plays where you got to be big and strong or big and fast. So take pride in what you do. Be the best athlete on the field. That's yeah. for my big guys out there. Yeah, <laughs> yeah exactly. Yeah, it's, it is – I'm glad that the position is getting more and more love. You know, we're seeing – offensive tackles go number one overall you know in the past couple years and things like that so i'm glad that people are starting to appreciate all aspects of the position uh because it is truly a mental physical athleticism and strength sort of position like you can't be deficient in any of those areas and be a great nfl offensive lineman they're getting Uh, paid a lot too yeah yeah so go get your money (laughs) you got it like that (laughs) but what you've seen is is the change where it was always thought to be just the tackles that are on the high up list but now you're getting centers and guards getting first round picking up in the first round so it's the importance of that unit itself and even from the uh, recent rule change or cba change with they added extra for practice squad that mm-hmm. it's mandatory to yeah. carry offensive linemen, eight offensive linemen. It's, it's the most valuable position you have if you're going to keep putting $100 million, you know, dollar contracts on the quarterbacks. Yeah. Yeah. These are the dudes that got to protect them, so they got to be high value too. That's, a, that's another thing that's evolved a lot, of course, since you started to now, the free agency dollars, man. I'm pretty sure – the money that was poured out then, you know, when you first came in the league compared to now, man, it's, it's, it's a signing bonus now <laughs> what guys were getting then. Yeah. It's, I mean, but I always say that that becomes relative because of this league is built on perpetual success every year, more successful than last. Yeah. The players want the salary cap to go up every year. So if you was the highest paid in the position last year, it might not be the same this year because guys are growing upon your salary. I think what happens is you have to definitely create what we call that good product on the field. You have Mm -hmm. to win games, you know. So when you have lulls in the team where you're not winning the games, but you got a bunch of high-priced players, now you get into that nitty-gritty of being the GM. And any anybody ever played GM on video games, they know, like, yo, it's about the dollar and cents amount. Even if you're playing fantasy football, you're like, yo, I want all these top guys, but I don't have enough money in my fantasy draft to pick them all. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so you have to be wise on where that dollar goes. And with the salary cap concerns, you know, they uh, – just like Atlanta, they knew it was going to be tough to keep Julio around if Julio's not on the field. I missed yeah. that guy. But they yeah. never expected Julio and Ridley not to be on the field. Yeah. yeah. So I said, next yeah. man up gets the opportunity to be like, hey, I'll take that new contract because <laughs> yeah. I'm the next man up. Yeah, I yeah. Said, That's the nature of this game. That's the nature of this beast that we all love. But I said, each year, 
Somebody expects a raise. I know that. <laughs> yep, yep. It's always how it is. And, that, you know, I'm glad for the players they are getting, you know, I think slightly, you know, it's sad, but they're getting like slightly more of the, you know, percentage of income on the new CBA. So that's nice. Uh, and, you know, hopefully these practice squad rules help guys stick around, you know, guys that normally wouldn't have gotten a chance. Now with the expanded practice squads, I'm hoping a lot more guys, you know, get opportunities to sort of stick around, develop for a year or two when on the old, you know, 10-man squad. Uh they might not have gotten a shot. So uh, happy about those rule changes. Hopefully we see, you know, expanded rosters and that stuff going forward too. But I'll believe it when I see it, I guess. <laughs> but uh, all right, we got we got uh, George Costanza again. He wants to, uh, he says, no one ever mentions Chris Dolman when people talk about the greatest pass rushers. Uh, Bob, do you have any memories of playing Chris Dolman? Of course. And uh, CD got to grace Atlanta's presence. And one of the things that Chris brought to the the table was he was the mixture hybrid size defensive end where he was big, but he was lean, but he, he was lean, but he was strong, but he was heavy, but he was light. And he was articulate with his moves, with his hand placement, with the things that he did. So I got to experience him the best when we were teammates and I got to practice against him. And I always say that he had them granddaddy hands, them hands that your granddaddy's put on your shoulder. <laughs> ah, granddaddy, what you doing? Like, anytime he touched you, he was like, ah, ah, what you doing, granddaddy? Like, why is so much pressure? But to me, he was the, the, the pro you learned from. So you would watch his, his his skills, his manner. That's why he's Hall of Fame, is that he was a guy that knew how to play football, not only with extreme elegance, but also with a viciousness that it, it was like, man, Chris, you're supposed to be walked through, dog. You just broke my finger, man. I was just trying something. <laughs> he was he was ahead of his time then. Huh? Yep. As, oh, as, far as, as far as a pass rusher. <laughs> for sure. All right, we got just a couple more uh for you, Bob. Uh you got time for a couple more? Oh yeah, let's do it. All right. We got uh Corey Carter, another longtime viewer. Uh he says, Bob, uh, in regards to the 98 Falcons team, when did you know that team was a different team than the past years? And he also wants to know what was it like to uh, run out of the tunnel in the Super Bowl? I say about that team, it was it was probably the season pass where we stretched. We just started winning games. We weren't going to the playoffs, but we just started winning games. And the camaraderie was 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 grown up then. And it was almost where when you can take even a momentum of a non-playoff season and take that forward with the same bunch and take some of the camaraderie things that you did all into the next season and put it back together, good training camp, start the season off, and then just start rolling. It was one of those things is that I say, if you ever felt it, like, yo, we felt something. We knew something was like, okay, it's happening. And it's, it was happening great in our favor. But I said, even through the pitfalls, you know, coach gets ill. We still had to win a game. I think it was Detroit. It was the guys could corral with each other 
And like you say, when you're running out the tunnel, even though we ran out the tunnel singular style, at, at some point, I think we asked, we should all run out together. <laughs> you know, that's what we wanted to do. <laughs> all run out together because we knew it was a, a together factor that got us there. And it's one of those things that it was the best year and the worst year yeah. for we all know reasons that happened that year. But all that aside, I just said it was a, a, a year that you got a lot of just people, different personalities, different backgrounds to gel together and make something work. So best year ever as and, a five. And speaking of that year, that was uh, the year you made the Pro Bowl. Just how special was that for you in your career when you when you received – that uh that notification that you know you're you're going to the pro bowl um you know what that whole year was was great but it's i said it didn't that whole pro bowl thing because it was after the super bowl it lost its luster to me i must admit because i was just so <laughs> yeah. wanted to yeah. be the champion like right. <laughs> yeah, yeah. no because i knew how hard it was going to be to get back and how many teams rarely make it back so it was the Pro Bowl year. I was just like, oh, it's bittersweet. But I do have a, a sweeter year. And when it was the year, and they got, they have his uh, tribute uh, documentary show coming out. And I'm definitely going to have my jacket on that year. And I believe it was 1996 I made the All-Madden team. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and I tell you what, that was better than any Pro Bowl year mm-hmm. when John Madden talked about me. I'm making an all Madden team. I was I was pumped. <laughs> yeah. my, I couldn't even fit my all Madden jacket then. It was all tight. <laughs> I lost a few pounds. I can slide it on now. But I made that all Madden team, and it was because I knew like John, you know, like Coach Madden was on it with how he looked at a player, and he just didn't look at just the standard stuff. Oh, your team has the leading rusher, best thrower. He looked at how you played and all that. So I, mm-hmm. I just felt like of all the great honors, that was my best honor in professional sports <laughs> was to make the All-Madden team. Yeah, that's awesome. That's awesome. Um, oh, yeah, Corey also added, thank you so much for always representing the franchise with such class. So uh, thanks, Corey, for the question as well. Uh, all right, we got one final one from George Costanza. He wants to know, who had the bigger helmet between you and Craig Hayward? <laughs> oh, it was Iron Head. Everybody said I had a little Beetlejuice head. That was the joke. Man, Bob got the Beetlejuice head. I did not have a small head. I'm just so wide across that my head next to the shoulders, it might get a little Beetlejuicey, right? But Iron Head had a meatloaf head. He had that size 8 plus head that the helmet kind of works front and backwards versus side to side. But he needed that head because he would lay that wop on you. See, that's when you could hit. <laughs> they changed that rule. Yeah, <laughs> it's probably because of him. Down yeah. You out. Yep, yep. Yeah, he had that thick skull, so it was, it was just too, it was too powerful. That's why they had to change the rules. So. I mean, he had to live up to the moniker somehow. Yep. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. But... Oh, that was a good question. I like that. <laughs> yeah. uh, he, he also says, "I assume it hurt when he ran in your back." So, <laughs> look, it's, it's when a running back in here. Look, 
for the Pop Warner kids or Pop Warner coaches and dads, make sure they keep their eyes open when the running back runs through there because it's the elbow that they hit when they run through there. <laughs> the funny bone. That funny bone. Oh, That's yeah. the one. It ain't that funny, right? <laughs> that's some in, that's some insider information right there. That's that's what I wanted from tonight's show is to get that. That's into, some I speak right there, man. Yeah, exactly. That's what that is. <laughs> this is uh, great, guys. Yeah, yeah. I actually have uh, one more question. So you played uh, your college days uh, with head coach Dennis Green, and then obviously you beat the Minnesota Vikings, uh, coached by Dennis Green in '98. Did you ever talk to him about that? Did you ever have any communication about, oh, yeah, like, you know, we won that game afterwards? Oh, of course, because uh, Denny was like a father figure to me at Stanford. And it was one of the things is that when I declared to come out early, he sure did declare, too, to leave early. So (laughs) he left Stanford, went to Minnesota. I asked him, hey, take me with you, coach. He said, we're not drafting high enough to get you. He was right. <laughs> so to play them, and then one of my old teammates, uh, 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 Chris, what receiver? Chris Walsh was on Denny's team. Uh, he had a couple other Stanford guys. Dave Garnett was on that team. But it was one of those things that to see your old coach across from the sideline, it was a brief hug before the game. <laughs> Good to see you, coach. Good to see you. And it's like all business because – that we knew was going to be the toughest place to play, and, and that team was strong. It was Randy was the rookie, you know. Yeah. Chris Carter, uh, Randall Cunningham, they were strong. Kicker never missed a kick all year, then he missed a kick that day. <laughs> yep, yep. So basically what you're telling us is that Denny Green left Stanford because you were you were declaring, right? He couldn't. Yeah, he left me because I left. Yeah. <laughs> like, I can't lose my best to guy. <laughs> I got to go too. Yep. It's good timing for him, yeah, for sure. You know, definitely not – no, it, it, it's – it's good to know that, you know, you have that kind of power over your head coach. So that's, that's always something. Oh, yeah. you can, you can put in. And then you got to remember, they brought in Bill Walsh. Yeah. <laughs> that's true. That's funny. All right. Yeah, guys, anything, anything else uh, for Bob before we sign off? I, I, it was a pleasure having you on here, Bob. We really, this was, this was great. You know, we, we, we tried to, I guess the show as a whole this year has tried to, you know, to cast out that net of getting, getting some, uh, some current players and former players. We've had, we've had Andre on here before. Uh, Keenan's been on here several times as well, but you know, to have you on here, man, it was a pleasure for you to stop by and, and, and give us some of your time. Hey, thanks guys. This is great. Yeah. Yeah. We really <laughs> appreciate you guys. He is Bob Whitfield, Falcons legend. He is also on Twitter at WhatUpBob. Uh, again, Bob, thank you so much for coming on. Also with us tonight, we have Eric Robinson at underscore Eric underscore Robinson. Eric, anything else you want to plug before we wrap up? I I don't have anything to plug, man. Honestly, just I guess I have you. You're going to make me do it anyway. Catch <laughs> four to five p.m. on ESPN Monday through Friday. Yes. Yeah. Yeah, no, got it. We got to make sure, you know, Eric left us, Bob, to go to ESPN. You know, he left our humble blog to go be an ESPN guy. So we have to make sure that, you know, everyone knows that. So 
<laughs> I couldn't say no, man. No, no, I don't blame you. You know, just <laughs> we also have with us Ah Non. You can chat, say which way on Twitter. Ah Non. Anything you'd like to plug before we wrap up? Um. Yeah. Fantasy sudden dud uh, every Monday. Uh, series history and what if we win or lose every Saturday? And yeah, just check out the Falcoholic for all of your Falcons needs and reading pleasure. Absolutely. And finally, we have Director of Guest Personnel, Evan Birchfield, who you guys can thank for getting uh, Bob to come on the show. Evan, in addition to being wonderful uh, and helping us get some truly fantastic guests <laughs> on here, anything else you'd like to let the people know about? No, um, just thankful you know, for obviously Bob Whitfield coming on the show. Um, it, you got to pinch yourself sometimes like, yeah. to realize like these are people you watch uh, Bob, for, I don't know how familiar you are with Falcolic, but we're, you know, we covered the team, but we're all Falcons fans first. Like we all started um, different, you know, obviously different scenarios on how we became fans, but um, we've been fans, you know, our whole lives and continue to be fans and cover the team. So, you know, having you on was a real treat from a personal perspective, but also, uh, you know, you shared a lot of knowledge with us. And, uh, you know, if you ever want to come back on, you know, you're more than welcome. It was oh, great yeah. having you on. Yeah, just said, say the word. We'll, we'll always have a spot for you. So, um, for sure. Yeah, guys. Hey, well, guys, I, I appreciate this. This has been great. And yeah. uh, be, be too, I mean, be sure to tune me in every Saturday, 9 a.m. on Fox 5 Atlanta for Play to Win. I'm on there with Chuck Smith and uh, Terrence Mathis, both Atlanta Falcons legend, Chris Marler who covers college. And of course the lovely Nikki Williams is our moderator host that makes sure we don't fight each other. Cause we still get competitive when we talk. Football. <laughs> <laughs> Wait, I mean, you got to show with an offensive lineman and a defensive lineman on it. I mean, I'm yeah, sure. we had Chuck on here. A, <laughs> a little friction. Ago. Man. He was, yeah. Yeah. He we had fired. Chuck on here too. Yeah. So it's, it's the whole, the whole group. I'm glad that's a, that I don't live in Atlanta, so I don't get Fox five, but that sounds like a show I would definitely watch. I definitely, uh, recommend everybody in the market to check it out because uh, that sounds like a lot of fun with these guys on there. Uh, and thanks again, Bob. Uh, we really appreciate you making time for us, guys. Uh, I'm Kevin Knight at Falcoholic Kevin. Uh, just check out the site, all that great content. Uh, and uh, yeah, just looking forward to this 49ers game. Apparently all things lead back to the 49ers as our conversation <laughs> with Bob uh, showed tonight. So, can, we, uh, can we get a prediction from Bob? You oh yeah, Bob, what, what's your prediction for this weekend? Y'all would ask me that prediction. <laughs> yeah, you almost got out of here. Yeah, almost. Look, I'm not ready to make it yet. Okay, I that's need fair. to see the injury list that game. Yeah, yeah. that's fair. That's fair. Yeah. <laughs> We almost got him. He's too, he's too clever for us. We'll have to, we'll have to figure it out. I thought he was going to give us one. I thought yeah, he was yeah. going to give us one. <laughs> but yeah, guys, thanks so much for tuning in. Uh, please like and subscribe if you haven't already. Those metrics both help us out. Leave a comment. Uh, that apparently helps with these weird YouTube algorithms as well. Check out the Patreon page, patreon.com slash Live. Q&A is coming up on Friday with some great guests. Uh, until then, guys, we'll be back on Sunday for the post-game show, hopefully celebrating a Falcons upset victory over the 49ers. But either way, we'll be here. Uh, thanks again to Bob for coming on. Thanks to Eric and Adnan and Evan for uh, helping out tonight as well. For all of you guys, thank you as well. Uh, until next time, we will see you on Sunday, folks. Have a great night.